podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. I am joined tonight, um, as usual, by my co-host, Mike, Mike Plank. Um, but also, we have special guests to the podcast. We have uh, Fitz and then also Ryan. Uh, they are both from the fairly new website, hawkjock.com. Um, they, from, from what I understand, they actually just, just started this last football season. Um, it's always nice to have additional voices especially ones that are willing to talk about football. So uh, how are you you guys doing tonight? Wonderfully, wonderfully. Doing great. All right, awesome. So so we'll go ahead and get started with you two guys just to kind of introduce you to everybody, um, especially those that are kind of new to the Jayhawk football scene. Um, What was it, one, that that made you guys want to start a a, a KU sports website, especially one that talks as much about football as you guys do? Um, and you know, what, what was it really that kind of brought you to KU football? Um, well, I, I really kind of, uh, thought about doing it, uh, for a while now, but Fitz and I always, we, we always text, we always talk about football, uh, KU football all the time. Uh, we, we talked mainly just with him and I all the time. So we thought, Hey, maybe somebody else cares about our opinions too. So, how about I just start this site? Uh, we will, we'll go through and, 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 and blog about, uh, football, basketball, other random, random things along the way. But we figured that since we talked about it all the time, maybe that somebody else might, might enjoy some of our opinions and some of our thoughts. So I, I went ahead and just started one. Uh, back in November, and, and we're just kind of really just getting started right now. But we we're, we're getting there, and uh, we you know we're having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, I um I actually had had the chance to check out a lot of your guys' stuff on on your site, and it's definitely great to have another voice out there, especially someone who's real actually willing to engage on football. We we've had a few pretty uh, fun back and forth on Twitter and things like that, but. Um, what what was it that made you guys want to start your own like brand new site instead of joining one of the other outfits that's there? I mean we've we, we've got all kinds of them. Obviously us affiliated with SB Nation. There, there's a bunch of other places like like Fansided and and a bunch of those other places that are also writing about the Jayhawks. Was was there anything specifically about starting your own site that really appealed to you, or was it kind of just that you you thought maybe was the best option for you? Oh, I I don't know. I, it wasn't really. I we didn't really go through it and and think that maybe one one option was better than than the other. I uh, I I just have felt like it would it would be something fun to do. We're really just in to do this for fun and and have have fun when and meet people. We we've been season ticket holders. I, I believe John, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh we uh we've been season ticket holders for I believe this is our fifth year. So we just we just wanted to uh, go through it and, and start a new site. Start start just meeting people, tailgate with people. Uh, try to try to help bring some more fun to KU football because it's been it's been so dark for so long that we were hoping that maybe it would it would 
help <laughs> us stay into it and, and 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 hopefully bring some other people into it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there hasn't really been a lot of fun surrounding the KU football program <laughs> recently. So, no. and, and you know, some of the some of the I guess the best way to describe them is the wacky ideas you guys have kind of brought in terms of ways to talk about this program or just kind of off the wall random suggestions. So. Um, for the for for those of you guys out there that, that haven't found the site yet, I definitely recommend getting out there to get to get some of their opinions. There really can't be too many too many sources out there to kind of talk about this stuff. I know we like to put out as much as we can over on Rock Chalk Talk, but I personally, you know, I'm, I'm always paying attention to the other sites like Rock Chalk Blog and and all the other ones, and I listen to as much KU stuff as I possibly can. So it's definitely, you know, wel- welcome to have an additional uh, voice out there from you guys. So. All right. So in the in, in the short time you guys have been going, what has kind of been your favorite thing to cover? Do you think? John uh, Fitz, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, obviously football. You know, I'm a, I'm a big football guy. So uh, as bad as the KU program has been, um, you know, it, it's still fun to cover it. You know, you learn a lot. Um, you kind of you know dig a little bit deeper than uh, you normally would you know, just as a fan. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say really just kind of learning new stuff about the football program. Some of it good, a lot of it bad, you know, so it just kind of <laughs> depends. <laughs> yeah, I would have to say this last year especially has really um, allowed me to get a little bit more deeper with my analysis of the team. You know, it's you, you can only say how bad this this team has been and, you know, so many times before you have to come up with a new angle for it. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we've been doing weekly podcasts during the football season and everything, and, you know, just getting on there and ranting and raving for, for 40 minutes about the exact same thing um, doesn't really work very well. So, um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of funny with how bad the KU football program has been. Um, and, and, and I'm guessing you guys have kind of found the same thing. There are still a lot more people that want to talk football. Um, especially during during football season, but want to talk and want to listen about football, um, then I would think would be warranted given just how bad this this program has been recently. Do you do you guys find the same thing? I, yeah, I I really do. I you know, it's people are even even if they're not you know griping about it, which they have a hundred percent right to gripe about it. Uh, there there are still a lot of positive people out there. Uh, that that want to talk about football, that really want to to dig to dig deep and talk about it, and and you know, KU basketball. There's it's the same every year. It, it really is. We, you know, we KU, KU basketball is good every year. We've been good for years. I, what the last time we missed the NCAA tournament was '89. Uh, so we're there's only so much you can talk about there as well. So I guess sometimes maybe even if you are griping about it. Uh, you know, it's it's something different to do than than to talk about KU basketball and about how how all these great things that they've done. So I have I have found a lot more people that wanted to talk about KU football after starting the website and the and the Twitter and the Facebook and uh, Instagram, all, all of those things. I I definitely agree with it. Yeah, talking about how you can only you know, I mean, e- even this year we've been talking yet again about oh man, how you know it, it, it well. It seems like every year we talk about how it doesn't, you know, it's it's so surprising that that Bill Self was able to take this team and win the Big 12 again. But I think we've said that for the last four or five years at least, straight. Like, there's no way he's gonna, 
going to win it, but, oh, well, he's probably going to win it because he hasn't lost it yet. So that, that, that kind of thing. So, yeah, even though those storylines where Bill Self is doing incredible things, um, it's, he's always doing incredible things. It seems like every year he just kind of one-ups himself. Um, that's going to end at some point, obviously, and I think that's when it will finally be a story of something new to talk about with the basketball team. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely plenty of stuff to talk about with this football team. So, all right, guys. So so on the state of the program, you know, coming back from the abyss that, that, that we've been in for the last basically 10 years, um, you know, e- even back um, in the annals of KU's less than glorious football history, this stretch from like 2010 to now seems to be the worst in the entire program's history. Um, first of all, do you guys agree with that assessment there? Yes. Yes, I do, 100%. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what do you think this has done to the Jayhawk fan base? Like, in in general, are you finding the fan base to be more apathetic about Jayhawk football than usual, or, um, you know, is there still kind of that that optimism that's there um, that refuses to be dulled? I, I I think with the fan base, uh, <laughs> at some point, it's made us paranoid more than anything. Uh, with the way that Weiss went through and the whole JUCO recruiting, it's made us so paranoid that every time that Beatty, and I'm not saying that, that Beatty is doing the right thing by getting JUCOs, don't get me wrong, because I'm, the par- I'm a paranoid one too. Uh, it's made us so paranoid on every time we get a JUCO recruit, we're mad at, at the fact that we get a JUCO recruit. Who knows? Maybe maybe one of these two co-recruits can, you know, they can, you know, pan out and and be be a good be a good player for us and 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 real productive. But I've I've noticed that a lot. I, but I I've I've noticed that a lot of people have just stopped caring at least until uh, Zinger was fired, and then I've I noticed a, some change. But I did you know that the whole Zuko thing it. it and, and being so bad has really has really just made us just just paranoid towards some a lot of recruiting. Yeah, and I think uh, you know fans. I mean, I think there's different types of fans. Um, you know, you have the ones that are just you know they just don't care as much anymore. Um, they weren't big football fans before. Um, you know, this is just kind of set them off and they just really don't pay attention much. Then you have the ones that are just upset, you know, that are just more like, you know, probably us uh, that have paid attention to football that are just kind of sick of it. You know, it's just the same thing over and over again. And it's a little bit embarrassing, you know, if you're a KU fan, Um, you know, and then I, then I think you have the ones that just love KU football, regardless of what happens, Um, you know, just like they love their parents, they don't care. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether they win or lose or, you know, they they don't have anything to say about Beatty other than he's a great guy, you know. So I think there's different levels of fans. Uh, but I think the, the ones that are upset are probably – and then the ones that are, um, aren't paying attention anymore are probably the bigger group of fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Mike and I have kind of talked about this a couple times. We – for the last like three or four years, you know, we kind of jumped on the the bandwagon, drank drank the Kool Aid, whatever your favorite metaphor is. Um, every single year, and this year we've finally gotten to the point where it's just like I'm not gonna, you know, think that this team is gonna do anything good until they're actually in the middle of doing it. So, 
Um, and even then, you know, we've had year or starts to the year where we've had a good a good performance in the first game or two, and then it all dies really, really quickly once we get into Big 12 play. So I think, I mean, I don't think the fan base is apathetic at this point. Um, I just, I think that they've become numb to really expressing the anger that they have about it um, because, you know, they've done it. Everyone's kind of seething on the inside, um, but maybe out, outwardly it's okay to say that they're apathetic just because they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're tired of expressing the exact same sentiments every single time. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of hit that wall occasionally in our, in our coverage last year, um, you know, Mike and I, I think we had one episode, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had one episode where we spent a total of 10 seconds talking about the football game the previous day. Cause there was absolutely nothing positive to say. And we had already said everything negative like every week before that. So. I mean, that sounds about right. And, yeah. Uh, in fact, you I know, something was, else is, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's almost cool these days to not care about football and to be, you know, KU basketball fan. You know, with the 15 or 14 titles and, and, you know, just as bad as the program has been, it, it's not, it's not cool to associate yourself with Kansas football. It's just not. And, and, um, regarding your point about the JUCO recruits earlier, if you guys go back and count them up, I'm 95% sure that you'll find that over 40% of Beatty's recruits have been JUCO players. Um, that number was at 39% last year, and then we, I don't know how many were in the class this year, 10 or 11, I think. Uh, maybe it wasn't that high, I'm not sure, but I, right at 40% or more of Beatty's recruits in his three years here have been junior college transfer players, and, and that's why, that's why you get the heaves, the dry heaves when you hear, oh, okay, you just signed a three-star recruit. Great, where's he from? Oh, Directional Community College. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that yeah, that's why no that's why nobody cares anymore because uh, you know, we went through that with Charlie Weiss and we're going through it all over again, uh, with David Bates. Well and to that point, you know, I mean yeah, JUCO recruits are good as long as you have them in very, you know, moderate amounts. Um but part of the problem too is, you know, we already went through that with Weiss and when Beatty and Zenger came in well, I'm sorry, when when Beatty came in, both him and Zenger had talked about how they were going to get away from that that they weren't going to get so many JUCO recruits because you had to reset on your scholarships every two years instead of every four years. So, you know, there will always be a place for JUCO recruits, no matter what you do. Um, but if you overload with them, then you're setting yourself up in that, in that cycle to come back to them way more often than you really should. Um, you know, you're, you're making the, the recruiting game harder because you have to replace so many more guys so often. So, unfortunately, you know, that's kind of just been – the cycle we got ourselves in and we were trying to get away from it and we didn't get the results we wanted. And so we jumped right back into it. Um, so hopefully we can get away from that at some point, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen with, with Beatty here. So, all right. So let's jump uh, the, the next part of this, this topic. Oh, Hey Andy, oh, Andy, ahead. real quick. What, just one more fun fact, which has been brought up on RCT before, but uh, David Beatty has never recruited a high school, a D lineman out of high school. All of his D line recruits have been Juco transfers. What about uh, Dorrance Armstrong? Was he? He was recruited was he, by Weiss. He was recruited by Weiss. Ah, oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, he wow. actually he he was signed in Weiss's outgoing class. Baby was able to hold on to him when he got here, but yeah, he was he was signed by Weiss, and actually, I think he was he was sealed up by by Bowen when he was the the interim head coach. So yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Yeah. So I mean, wow. we were able to that you know that's the one thing that I will say good about Bowen. We've we've actually. Um, 
trashed a lot of what Bowen's done here on our podcast before, but you know, he was able to hold on to a very good recruiting class um, in terms of some of that defensive talent that, that was brought in at that point. Um, was able to hold on to them when Weiss left, um, which, you know, if, if he wasn't able to do that, I think we would be in even worse shape. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if we didn't win a single game in, in Beatty's career here um, if we hadn't held on to that recruiting class because Dorrance Armstrong, I believe uh, Deneen was, was in that class as well. Daniel Wise was in that class. Um, you know, so we, 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 we were able to hold on to a lot of good players there that have actually made us somewhat respectable on defense, um, and helped us to some big upsets. So, all right. So, so looking forward, obviously the hope and the expectation is that we will find some way to get out of this stretch. Um, but you know, what, what other programs in college football history can we look to That's kind of an example of how to come back from the dead? Um, I mean, a, a few examples, and, and for those of you um, that are listening, uh, I believe we mentioned this when we talked on our first podcast of the summer, um, but uh, Jay, Jay Winmore, one of our longtime contributors, actually gave us a list of different topics, and these were some of the examples that he came up with. He was uh, talking about Colorado State under Sonny Lubbock, Utah, or Oregon. Um, are, are there any other examples you guys can think about, and, and do any of those actually give you guys any hope for a, a turnaround anytime soon? Uh, actually, yeah. If you look at Baylor, uh, you know they had a really rough program before they actually turned into a, a powerhouse, um, and really they were only a, a powerhouse for well since uh, Art Bryles was there. You know, for for really probably four or five years. Uh, but before that, you know, they were, they were pretty bad. I mean, you go back to 99 when Kevin Steele was there, uh, they started, you know, under him one and 10. Uh, then they went two and nine, three and eight, three and nine. Uh, he was let go. Uh, guy Morris came in. Uh, he went three and nine, three and eight, five and six, a little bit better. Uh, then he went back down to, to four and eight and then three and nine. Um, you know, so they, they had a pretty rough stretch there. Not quite as bad as KU right now, um, but if you look at, you know, where they ended up, it was, I mean, very impressive. You know, once Art Bryles got there, uh, his first two years, uh, he had a losing record, uh, four and eight each time. Uh, but then after that, man, it was uh, seven and six, ten and three, eight and five, eleven and two, eleven and two, ten and three. Um, you know, and, and so I think there is hope. I think a lot of it is uh, we just got to get a you know, a coach, you know, an AD that comes in that really knows how to hire the right guy, and then he does that. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So um, any other thoughts on that, guys? Um, and any specific programs you can think of other than Baylor? Uh, I mean, I, I do think the Baylor situation is a little bit different. Being down in Texas makes it a little easier to get access to recruits. But, you know, I, I would agree with the point that really it's the head coach that makes the difference, and it shouldn't take more than, I think, three three years or so to show improvement. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Any other any other programs you guys would point to? Andy, I've kept a list. I know this is going to surprise you. Um, <laughs> I've kept a list. <laughs> no way. Uh, and if I, can, if I can get it pulled up here, here we go, uh, of coaches that have turned around schools, and some of these schools are better than Kansas, some are not. Uh, but let's start local. How about Matt Campbell at Iowa State? He got to a bowl game in his second year. How about Jeff Brom at Purdue? They went bowling their first year, and Purdue was 
and we've written about this on RCT before, Purdue was as bad as Kansas three years ago. Uh, Brocko Mendenhall at Virginia, bowling year two. Uh, Dave Doran at NC State, bowling year two. Chris Creighton at Eastern Michigan, bowling year three. Jeff Monken at Army, bowling year three. Mike Leach at Washington State, bowling in year two. Um, do we not remember Mark Mangino at Kansas, went bowling in year two. Uh, Bill Snyder at K-State took, and this is a Hall of Famer, but he took the worst program ever in college football, and he won five games in year two, and he went to a bowl game finally in year five. Uh, Gary Pinkle turned Missouri around in three years. Mike McIntyre at Colorado, four years. David Cutcliffe at Duke. Uh, Dan Mullen, Mississippi State. Jeff Tedford at Cal, who is at Fresno, by the way, and, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to him replacing David Beatty. Uh, and, and there's about ten more that we could go through. I mean, it has happened, and it has happened frequently in college football. The, the hard part is sustaining that success. I mean, like Bryles did at Baylor, like these guys kind of talked about, you know. Baylor was winning three, three, two, three, four games, and then all of a sudden they're winning 10, 11, 10, 11, 11 games. Uh, the sustained success is the part that has always eluded Kansas in the past because we've had pockets of success. You know, we've had – the 95 season, we've had the 2007 season, we, we've had the 68 season, we've had all those, uh, but we've never been able to build on it and maintain it, and finding the guy that can do that is the hard part. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, I mean, UCF, I think, is probably the, the, the most recent high-profile example with, uh, was it Scott Frost, right, that, that was there that took them right, from, yeah. from, an, from an, a winless season to an undefeated season in, in like two or three years? Um, I forget right. the exact number of years, but yeah, I mean, I, I think though we run into kind of the same issue that that a school like that does, in that um, you know we're not seen as one of those top tier jobs. So if we get a guy that goes that goes ahead and actually builds it, for the most part, that guy is probably going to be jumping off somewhere else because we just don't have the long the long history. Now, I would rather take that and get to that point, and then hopefully find a better you know a a decent replacement that can at least you know, keep us competitive for bowl games like that, that would be nice to have. Um, the one time recently where we had that with Mangino, he ends up getting fired, um, you know, our, uh, supposedly, and, and while I'm not saying that there was nothing to it, but, you know, they're, they're supposedly saying it was because of his treatment of players. There's been a lot of players that I've talked to that said it wasn't nearly as bad as it was, you know, made out to be. There was some kind of tension with the athletic director at the time. So um, I think it might have been, I think it's fair to say that it was at least slightly overblown, um, but essentially, we, we found a reason to get rid of the only guy that's had any real sustained success um, in recent Kansas history. Um, you know, so if, if, if we can avoid shooting ourselves in the foot like that again, which I'm, I'm assuming we can, um, you know, maybe the next time we get a guy that can improve the program like that, we can actually move on and, and be able to sustain that success through a couple different coaches. Yeah, yeah I, I would I, I would hope so. I mean. I, it, it's it's been done. I don't. It doesn't make sense why it can't be done here. If it's been done before, then it can be done at Kansas. I, you know, it's, it's that. I mean, it's it really is as simple as that. If it's been done before, then it can be done here. I, I don't. I don't have a lot of a lot of the other schools that you guys have named have named them all. Um, but there's no reason not to go to Kansas if if we have a good program, a good coach. There's no reason why, why recruits would not want to come here. They, you know, we're in a power five conference. We're in the big 12 there. We have, we, we show what, how our fan base is 
during basketball season. They can be the same during football season. They've shown that. I've been to those games that, that there's 50-some thousand people in the stands, and it's wild, it's fun. It, we can do it. And it, it, there's no reason why – there's really just no reason why we can't in my eyes. Agreed. All right, guys, any other thoughts about this topic? Um, you know, any other examples you guys want to throw out there or anything really talking about, like, the 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 fan base or the level of support for the football program, anything like that? Uh, I, I do want to hit on that, the UCF thing again. Um, I think it's especially impressive just because uh, before Scott Frost got there, they were 0-12, uh, won zero games. Um, then he gets there, they go six and seven, and then they went uh, undefeated uh, this most recent year. So, um, I mean, that to me is the biggest turnaround, you know, that I've really seen to go a couple years before, you know, to not win a game and then to go undefeated a couple years later. So uh, that to me just shows that it can happen in, at Kansas. Um, again, it just goes back to the, the right coaching hire the right AD that it's going to give the football program the respect that it needs and the attention that it needs. Um, and not just by building a new stadium. Um, you know, although that would be nice. I mean, obviously I, I would be totally for a new stadium, uh, but I would rather see a lot of that money uh, put into a, you know, a proven coach, you know, high, high profile coach that we can keep here for a few years that can really get this program going again. Yeah, definitely. So to kind of transition from that, you know, we're talking about obviously the athletic director is a hire that's that's coming up. Um, with Zinger out, we need to find a new one. They have a committee that's been put together that's supposed to be finding one. And a bunch of rumors have been flying around about what they're looking for, or who, who the candidates are, things like that, but nothing concrete at this point. What do you think, first of all, we, we, I actually put out an article a few days ago um, that was talking about the you know like what this new athletic director has to potentially do when he gets here um and kind of like what what are the unique challenges that he has but um we 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 can talk a little bit about that but i'm also kind of curious as to what is it you guys are looking for in an athletic director like if, if you were heading that committee or you were heavily involved in the decision what specific traits would you guys be looking for and are there any guys in specific you know specifically that kind of jump out to you as, as having all of those traits that you think are important. Uh, Fitz, I, think, I think you hit on this a little bit whenever you and I were talking the other day, so I'll let you go after this one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you know, and I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about, you know, ADs and all that, um, you know, so I can't spew off a bunch of names. I've seen a few that have been, you know, put out there that I've, that I've liked, Um I mean, obviously, you need to read more RCT. We just did this. <laughs> no, I, I did actually. I, I read that. I did read that that article. It was good. It was really good. So uh, it gave me a lot of information, you know, that I didn't know. Um, but uh, you know, I think when, when you're looking at an AD, there's a. I mean, it's a hard job. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Um, you know, they got to be focused on. You know, make sure the athletes are getting their grades. You got to do a lot of. Uh, um, uh, you know, funding and, you know, making sure that, um, you know, facilities are where they need to be, um, you know, so and you got to make sure the programs um, are pulling revenue and, and they're winning, you know. So um, I think, that, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, I think really the main thing at this point for Kansas, uh, you need a guy that has a strong background in, um, 
you know, bringing in, you know, money, bringing in donations, uh, because with this, uh, with this new stadium thing, we don't want it to fall flat on its face. You know, since we've gotten approval for a lot of those things, we want to go ahead and, you know, KU still needs to go through with it. They've you know, gotten pretty far with that. So they need a guy that can raise some money. Uh, they need a guy that, that can, uh, understand, you know, uh, make a good hire, you know, see the difference. Uh, of qualities between people and, and be able to make that, that hire that's going to be able to come in and really turn the football program around. I mean, there's a lot of money that KU's just missing out on, you know, with, with football. I mean, tickets, season tickets are a hundred dollars, you know? Um, when I, I remember when it would cost me $75 to go to one game, you know, when Mangino was here. So, uh, granted, it's going to suck for us to have to pay more for tickets, but you know, I, I would be, you know, happy to pay two or $300 for season tickets, you know, if, if we're going to win some games. So I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into an AD. And I think to me, that would be really the most important traits I'd be looking for. Um, as far as specific names, um, you know, I know you mentioned Colorado state. That's kind of one that really stood out to me. Um, uh, the AD that's there, I, I you may have to help me out. I can't quite remember his name. Um, if you guys, I'm blanking on it as well. Hold on. I'll try to pull up the article. Uh, Joe, Joe Parker, Joe Parker, Joe Parker. So yeah, he, uh, yeah, he stood out to me, um, with a lot of stuff he's done. So he's in that Colorado state program. Obviously he's really turned a lot of things around. Um, you know, but again, it's going to be a tough task for whoever comes in because, because you're having to deal with a football program that is had a rough time. And you have a huge project of raising 350 million. Obviously, they don't need to raise all 350, um, you know. But there's still a lot left that needs to be, you know, uh, that needs to be raised. So there's um, whoever comes in is going to have a full plate. That's for sure. Definitely. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, what I, what I always heard about Zinger was that he was such a nice guy. Uh, everybody uh, that that had talked to him. Uh, that had been around him was always said how great of a guy he was, uh, which is fantastic that he's a great guy. Uh, but, but sometimes maybe you don't need such a nice guy all, all the time. Maybe you need somebody that's going to make those, those hard decisions for you. And maybe, maybe he couldn't do it. Maybe he couldn't make some of those hard decisions. Maybe that's uh, one, one area that, that he lacked. Uh, maybe we need somebody that can come in that can, that has shown that they've made hard decisions in that in that same type of role. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a very loyal guy. Um, you know, he brings in his guys and then sticks with them off into a fault. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of been the big criticism as to why Beatty got the extension that he did. Um, now, part of that, I think, too, may have been pure, uh, somewhat selfish reasons, realizing he probably wasn't going to get another college, you know, uh, a another football coach hire. Um, and so trying to make sure that he stuck around as long as possible. But, you know, obviously giving Beatty an extension isn't necessarily going to, you know, ensure that Zinger gets to stay. So I, I do think he was, a, you know, had like the, the rose-colored glasses on a little bit too lo- too much in terms of evaluating what Beatty has really done. Um, I mean, you know, the, the one thing that we've talked about ad nauseum here on, on, on Rock Talk Talk is that, you know, for all of Beatty's faults, he is – a guy that is really energetic, he can really get a fan base energized, um, you know, and he's, I mean, he's, he's a really likable guy. He's really nice. 
Um, he has basically every quality that you want in a motivator and in a head coach, except for the fact that he doesn't really seem to know what he's doing when he's actually coaching the team on the field. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, mean, I would if, agree with that. If you could take everything else about him and, you know, basically give him the, the X's and O's of, of a coach like, you know, Saban, <laughs> I mean, that would be like the ideal head coaching uh, candidate there. Uh, obviously, the most important thing, though, when you're talking about performance of a football team is that he's got to know what the heck he's talking about. He's got to know how to put his, his players in the right position. And, you know, if you're going to be missing one thing, unfortunately, that's the one thing you don't want to be missing when you're a head coach. So, um, obviously, it hasn't worked out that way. But, you know, Baby's a really nice guy. He's a guy that people want, you know, people want him to succeed because they want a guy like that to be their head coach um, as long as he can actually show that he knows what he's talking about. So, um, I mean, I can understand, you know, and, and, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've heard from people surrounding the program, um, that Zinger's a really nice guy to work with. You know, he's, he's really loyal. He really in, is, is enjoyable to work with. The problem is he takes that to a fault at times. And, and I think that's what happened with Beatty. And ultimately, I think that's what led to him being removed was, you know, overcommitting with that. Um, and then just the way that he is kind of agreeable, it sounds like it may have hurt him in some of the negotiations on Rock Chalk Park you know, wanting to be agreeable with the people they were working with. And he, um, we, we had posted a link to this. Um, you know, it's come up in a couple of different places about how he renegotiated a deal with the developer for Rock Chalk Park, and that cost the university a bunch of money too. So, um, you know, regardless of whether that was the reason, I think the fact that his demeanor and the way that he treats people and the way he's loyal to them may ultimately have led um, to his, his downfall here at, here at Kansas. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, the AD or or anything surrounding what, what what we've been talking about? Well, yeah, I I want to go back on uh, what you said about Beatty being being a motivator and how good of a motivator he is. He he gets everybody so hyped up. I I'm I know I know that Fitz and I were incredibly hyped up for last year's football season, uh, and I'm sure that you you guys were too, but. Beatty got us so excited. He got us so pumped up that sometimes I think the fact that we, uh, that he got us so hyped up, we put the bar a little bit higher than probably what it was supposed to be for, for last year, even though there has been coaches that have, that have led teams to a good record in their second year. But maybe if he wouldn't have been such a good motivator, such a hype man all the time, that maybe he, Maybe we wouldn't have put that bar a little bit higher than what it was supposed to be. I know that all of us were expecting to go at least, you know, we, we, we were wanting to win five, six games last year. But maybe, maybe if he wouldn't have hyped us up so much uh, and got us, got us so excited that maybe, maybe, maybe we wouldn't be so mad this, this offseason. Don't get me wrong, we would have all been mad uh, with only winning one game last year. Oh, yeah. But, Maybe we wouldn't been wouldn't have been as mad at him only winning one game. We said we maybe we would have been a little bit more confident this year than than what we are because all of us are like prove it to us now. If this is what you want to do, then prove us prove it to us. We're not getting hyped over this season. We're not getting we're not getting excited over this season until you show me that 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 we need to get excited. We don't tell me this time. Last year you told us. Show me now. Yeah. Well, like, part of it's the way it happened, too. I mean, you know, he sits there at Big 12 media days and tells us that 
it's time to see dividends, and dividends are wins. I, uh, I'm paraphrasing there, but uh, it's something very similar that came out of his mouth. And that fueled the optimism. And then they go out and they struggle against Southeast Missouri State, and then they just get destroyed by Central Michigan at home. And then they're not competitive with Ohio, and then it just derails from there, you know, and culminates in the Iowa State and TCU losses where they had, in two games, they combined for 125 yards of total offense. So I think a lot of it has to do with what he said and then being followed up by with what actually happened and how it all went down. I think that was the most deflating thing. They weren't even competitive last year. Well, and and I think part of it, too, like I think just as much as that, that Texas win the year before, um, ended up being a really bad thing for this team because it increased that level of confidence. It made the fan base expect a lot more, you know, going into the next year. That West Virginia game to start the conference season where, you know, KU was, was in that game late into the fourth quarter, and then, you know, finally West Virginia was able to put them away. That, again, kind of raised people's expectations of, oh, well, maybe it isn't as bad as we thought it was, and then we just get blasted from there. Um, but I think the thing that kind of – and, and it actually ended up spawning a, a Twitter account based off of this. It's the fact that during all of that, Beatty refused to criticize any of his guys, any of his coaching staff or anything. He was positive about everything the whole time and just said, well, you know, we're doing everything right. It's just not happening on the field on Saturdays. Well, you know, we routinely were able to find things. And I mean, you know, I, I am in no way a, a, a really good football analyst or anything like that. I could – go and find five or six plays where the coaching staff just completely whiffed on what they were supposed to be doing. You know, six or seven plays where execution was just absolutely horrible. I mean, these were like clear as day. You go back and, um, you know, my I, I don't live in the Kansas City area, and so I would always record the game um, so that I could actually go back and watch it later because I wouldn't necessarily always catch it live. Um, but unfortunately, having to cover the games, you know, you kind of actually have to watch the game to be able to cover and, and talk about them, especially in a podcast. Um, so I had the unfortunate privilege of going back and watching the games, even after I already knew the result, just so I could kind of see what was going on. But it was, you know, to, to a guy like me that's not good at breaking down film, you know, honestly, I'm not, you know, I don't have like the the super analytical mind for breaking down film and knowing what the formations are supposed to be or anything like that. But even I could tell, it's like, oh, wait a minute, this guy is completely out of position. You know, this guy has no idea what he's doing. The coaches have these guys lined up. Like, it was it was obvious. But for him to come out of the out in those press conferences every single week and say, you know, man, we're doing everything right. We're doing everything we need to. We're getting these guys really prepared. And then we're just, you know, we're just we're just getting um, beaten out, out there, you know, for whatever reason. Like, he couldn't really explain it. He was super positive about it the whole time. And that's what finally warned people. You know, the, the super positive David Beatty Twitter account, um, so it spawned directly from that, which, by the way, is an absolutely uh, phenomenal follow. If, if if you guys are not following them, um, it's it's really funny how how well I think he actually captures the spirit of what we've been hearing in all of those um, press, press conferences or media appearances or anything like that. Um, you know that I mean it's 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 so humorous just how um, fake it sounds. On the, on the Twitter account, and yet that's exactly how he sounds in a lot of those press conferences. So, um, you know, I think that's really what kind of wore on people the most is that, you know, if, if he had gone out there, and we've made this point several times on the podcast before, if he'd gone out there and said, look, we got outworked, 
We had some, some errors in our game plan. We think we've identified what the problem was. We're going to work to fix it. You know, or as he said something about, you know, how, look, they just had a lot more talent than we did. We haven't been able to get everything out of these guys that we thought we could, but we're going to work to improve it. You know, we've identified some things we can fix. You know, if he'd even said that and we still had the same results, I think that people would have taken it a lot more seriously. People would be a lot more positive coming into here because they would think that maybe this coaching staff has the knowledge and the smarts needed to be able to turn it around. But as it goes right now, with all the denial about, the coaching staff's responsibility in this, all the denial about the, the disparity in talent, nobody can take anything he says at face value anymore. So when he says, you know, everything looks, you know, think things are looking good, we're, we're improved this year, um, you know, we actually have a shot this year, we're going to get this turned around, nobody believes him anymore because he shot all his credibility. He hasn't actually acknowledged the problem. You know, they always say that the first step in fixing a problem is acknowledging you have a problem. He has yet to actually acknowledge the problems that they have, and so nobody has any confidence that he can actually fix them. I can agree with a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely can. Man, Mike, Mike, this is just so so familiar. It seems like we're rehashing a lot of points we talked about last year. I mean, unfortunately, I think this is what we're going to be talking about at least until we get you know interim head coach Doug Meacham in halfway through the year. So, yeah, and, and I think and I think you know one thing that Beatty could do um, to really kind of change. And I'm not saying he would do this or that it would work out well. Um, but, you know, he could change the entire offense, um, you know, because one thing in a coach that you want to look for um, is a guy that can – you want to you want to play what you have, you know what I mean? Um, he's wanting to run this air raid offense, and we don't have an offense. We don't have the guys to run an air raid offense. Um, you know, and we've seen the past three years, one of the – I mean, one of the worst offenses uh, in the league, or not just in the league, I mean, literally in college football. Um you know, but it's one of those things, you know, like look at self, you know, he is a great coach and he's normally had that big guy down low, uh, you know, playing the post and uh, he's had that for years and years. And all of a sudden he doesn't have it. He's guard heavy. Uh, what's he do? He changes up his offense and he does great things. He keeps winning. You know, that's one thing in a coach, he, you know, he has to notice and if after that first year, or even second year, you know, things aren't working the way they should have been working. Um, you know, change up that offense. Heck, he even brought in a new offensive coordinator, uh, but that guy was running the same offense that he failed at before. I mean, not that Meacham failed, but, you know, Beatty and his tenure at KU, you know, didn't do well with that offense, and he went and got another guy that did the same thing. Um, I'm not saying, obviously, the offense, um, you know, the type of offense he wants to run is the issue. I'm saying the players that he has to run that offense, we just don't have the personnel to do that. Um but like I said, I mean, you know, if he this year we, he comes out and all of a sudden the offense is different, he's running an option offense or something, you know, doing something to show that he's actually somewhat capable of coaching and recognizing the players that he has on the team, you know, what they're actually good at and trying to use that. Um, I think that could help him. But, again, he's not going to do that. And if he did do it, we couldn't really expect much from him because most everything else he has done has just been a disaster. So. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, I think we've uh, we, we've gotten enough to fill up one episode for now. So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and cut this off uh, here for this time. But uh, I would love to have you guys back for our next episode as well. Um, so 
for those of you guys that are that are that are listening now, um, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and, and end this here. But I will go ahead and record with these guys. We'll we'll have for the uh, the next episode that comes out the beginning of August. We'll we'll be talking with them as well. So, um, guys, thanks thanks for listening. Um, as always, you know, catch us on uh, Twitter at Rock Talk. Talk. Um, you guys can uh, uh, guys if, if if you guys can go ahead and share your Twitter handles and, and where we can find you guys real real quick. Yeah, you can you can find me. It's uh, hawkchalk underscore ku, uh, and and I also I also have a Facebook page. Uh, it is it is just hawkchalk uh, over there. You can find us there, uh, and then our website is obviously hawkchalk.com. I I'll, feel and, free and to, just to clarify yes. because it sounds a, very similar to chalk. You're actually saying hawk a jock. So yes. yeah, so yes, hawk jock like you're a jock <laughs> like you're a jock in in in, in school. Um, yes, you're correct. Uh, yeah, and and go over there. Uh, please go subscribe to it, uh, just like you you do here uh, at RCT, and and so so that you can so that you're able to comment. You can't comment on on any of the posts unless you're unless you're actually uh, subscribed to it. Uh, we don't send out a bunch of crazy emails or try to solicit it or anything like that. We, well, like I said at the beginning, we're just trying to have some fun and, and, and get in there and, and, and hang out with us. Uh, another thing, feel free. Uh, we, we're planning on doing some, some tailgates this, uh, this year, uh, some Hawk Jock tailgates. Uh, feel free to come hang out. If you follow me on either one of us on Twitter, we'll, we'll make sure to let you know. Uh, we'll probably, you know, we'll pro- provide some, some dogs and some burgers for people to 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 eat. Uh, maybe some tree zone eggs. Who knows? I, I'm sure that most of our games are probably going to be at 11 a.m. Uh, but uh, you know, bring bring the beer. We'll we'll probably you know we'll have bags and, and frisbee golf and things like that. But just follow me, Hawkjock underscore Ku, and uh, and and we'll keep you updated. And and then what about you, Fitz? Where can we find you up on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it would be FitzDaddy85, uh, and again my name on Twitter is just the Fitz. So yeah, and I don't have a Facebook page or anything like that. I'm just strictly on uh, Twitter, uh, FitzDaddy85. All right. Well, um, so yeah, we, we will go ahead and leave this this episode here again, guys. Thanks, thanks for listening. You guys, thanks, thanks for joining me today, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Podcast Network.